0: And in this episode, we go back to the Cutty Sark for our second and final part of the podcast looking at this well-known tea clipper. Don't forget to visit and subscribe to our YouTube channel, London Visited, to see videos covering this place and so many others across London. Also, if you love the podcast and the channel, why not join us as a member? Join on a group of what we like to call our London Visited Crown Jewels, where there are so many different benefits, including a members-only monthly podcast. Have a look by going to patreon.com London visited, And now to this week's podcast. More Captain the Cutty Sark for only one more round trip to China, taking 117 days for the return trip. This was 14 days longer than the Thermopylae and 27 days longer than achieved by the Iron Ship Halloween a few months later. Captain W.A. Tiptoft assumed command in 1873, achieving 118 days on his first return trip but after the ship had to travel 600 nautical miles up the Yangtze River in search of a cargo. Steamships were now taking most of the tea. The following year, the return journey took 122 days. In November 1877, the ship was anchored off deal in the English Channel along with 60 other vessels, waiting out a great storm. The anchor failed to hold and the Cutty Sark was blown through the ships, damaging two others before grounding on a mud bank. Fortunately, she was pulled clear by the tug of McGregor before too much damage was caused and she was towed to the Thames for repairs. In December 1877, the ship sailed from London to Sydney, where she took on coal for Shanghai, arriving there in April. However, the ship was unable to find any cargo of tea for the return trip to London. The days of the tea race were over. The master, Captain Tiptoft, died in October while still in Shanghai and was replaced by the first mate, James Wallace. The ship now had to take different cargoes around the world, including coal, jute, castor oil, and tea to Australia. In 1880, yards were shortened and the sun's sails removed. Also in 1880, an incident occurred on board during which the first mate Sidney Smith killed seaman John Francis. Smith was allowed to leave the ship at Angier by Captain Wallace, causing the crew to cease work in protest. Wallace continued with the journey with six apprentices and four tradesmen but became becalmed in the Java Sea for three days. In desperation as matters moved from bad to worse, he committed suicide by jumping overboard and disappeared. He was replaced as master by William Bruce, who proved to be a drunken incompetent who claimed pay for non-existent crewmen, and managed to set sail with inadequate provisions resulting in the crew starving. An inquiry in New York in April 1882 resulted in the captain and mate being suspended and replaced by Captain Moore, previously a Blackadder. In December 1883, the Cutty Sark departed Newcastle, New South Wales, with 4,289 bales of wool and 12 casks of tallow, arriving in London in just 83 days. This was 25 days faster than the nearest rival that year and heralded the start of a new career, taking Australian wool to Britain in time for the January wool sales. From 1885 to 1893, Cutty Sark was run between England and New South Wales under the agency of the Sydney-based Dangar, Geed & Co. In 1885, Richard Woodgate was appointed captain on a salary of £186 per year. When adjusted for inflation at 2019 costs, that was £27,729, and continued to improve on the fastest trip record, achieving 77 days on his first outward trip and 73 days returning to Britain from Australia. He achieved this by taking a more southerly route than previously to catch the strongest winds in the roaring 40s, despite having to face icebergs, gales, and storms whipped up by the winds he sought. Cutty Sark was the fastest ship on the war trade for 10 years. In July 1889, the log of the modern passenger steamship SSS Britannia recorded the wind steaming of 15 to 16 knots. She was overtaken in the night by a sailing ship doing 17 knots, which proved to be Cutty Sark. Eventually, steamships began to dominate the war trade too, and it ceased to be profitable for a sailing ship. In 1895, Jock Willis sold Cutty Sark to the Portuguese firm Joaquim Antunes Ferreira for £1,250. She was renamed Ferreira after the firm. Her crews referred to her as Piquana Camisela, a straight translation of the Scots Cutty Sark. The ship traded various cargoes between Portugal, Rio de Janeiro, New Orleans, Mozambique, Angola and Britain. In May 1916, she was demasted off the Cape of Good Hope because of the rolling of the ship in bad weather and had to be towed to Table Bay, off Cape Town. Because of World War I, it was impossible to obtain suitable materials to replace the masts, so she was re-rigged over 18 months to a bar tank sail arrangement. In 1922, Ferreira was the last clipper operating anywhere in the world. Caught in a storm by the English Channel, she put into Falmouth Harbour, where she was spotted by a retired merchant, Navy Captain Wilfred Dowman of Flushing, Cornwall, who was then operating the training ship Lady of Avonil. The ship returned to Lisbon where she was sold to the new owners and renamed Maria de Umparo, Mary of the Refuge, the name associated with the devotion of Our Lady of the Refuge in Portuguese. Dowman persevered in his determination to buy the ship, which he did for £3,750, and she was returned to Falmouth Harbour, the purchase was made with the support of Dowman's wife, artist Catherine Dowman, heiress-daughter of Sydney Colthold, crepe and silk manufacturer. The rigging was restored to an approximation of the original arrangement and the ship was used as a cadet training ship. In 1924 she was used as a committee boat for the Regatta Week in Forley. During that year's regatta week as recalled to me by Mr. Arthur Toby West, as a historic survivor, the ship was open to the public and visitors would be rowed out to inspect her. Dowman died in 1936 and the ship was given by Catherine Dowman, his widow, along with £5,000 for maintenance to the incorporated Thames Nautical Training College, HMS Worcester at Greenhithe. She was towed to Greenhithe by Tug. The ship was crewed by cadets, 15-year-old Robert Wilde steering the ship during the voyage. At Greenhithe, Cutty Sark acted as an auxiliary vessel to HMS Worcester for sail training drill, but by 1950 she had become surplus to requirements. From February to October 1951, she was temporarily moved for the first of a refit and then to take part in the festival at Britain at Deptford. On the 30th of January 1952, the 800-ton tanker MV Achillity collided with Cutty Sark's bow in the Thames. The two ships were locked together after the collision, which forced Cutty Sark's jig-boom into Worcester's four castle rails, snapping the boom before scraping along Worcester's starboard side. Cutty Sark's figurehead lost an arm in the process. Worcester was a condemned hulk, sinking at her moorings at the time, photographs showing her laying on her starboard side with a starboard side near the shore. Cutty Sark was anchored and towed to the Shadwell Basin, where the repairs were carried out. The damaged arm was recovered at Grey's Thurrock and the figurehead was repaired. In 1953, Cutty Sark was given to the Cutty Sark Preservation Society, and in 1954, she was moved to a custom-built dry dock at Greenwich. She was stripped of upper masts, yards, deck houses and ballast to lighten her before being towed from the East India import dock to the special dry dock at Greenwich. The skipper on this occasion was 83-year-old Captain C.E. Irving, who had sailed the world three times in her before he was 17. The river pilot was Ernest Coe. Thereafter, the entrance tunnel to the Dry Dock was filled in. The river wall rebuilt and the work of re-rigging began. The foundation stone of the Dry Dock was laid by the Duke of Edinburgh, patron of the Sark Preservation Society, in June 1953. The restoration, re-rigging, and preparation for public exhibition was estimated to cost £250,000. Sark was preserved as a museum ship and has since become a popular tourist attraction as part of the National Historic Fleet. She's located near the center of Greenwich in southeast London, close to the National Maritime Museum, the former Greenwich Hospital, and Greenwich Park. She's also a prominent landmark on the route of the London Marathon. She usually flies signal flags from her Ensign Halyard, reading JKWS, which is the code representing Cutty Sark in the International Code of Signals, introduced in 1857. The ship is in the care of the Cutty Sark Trust whose president, the Duke of Edinburgh, was instrumental in ensuring her preservation when he set up the Cutty Sark Society in 1951. The trust replaced the society in 2000, and she's a Grade 1 listed monument and was on the Buildings at Risk register following the 2007 fire. The gallery beneath the ship holds the world's largest collection of ship's figureheads, donated to the society by Sidney Cumbers in 1953. By the early 2000s, there were serious concerns about corrosion of the iron internal structure, And the hull was also becoming distorted because more weight was being carried on the keel than if the ship was afloat when it would be evenly supported over the whole area below the waterline. The extensive corrosion project was planned to overcome this. An extensive conservation program was planned to overcome this, including repair and anti-corrosion painting of the framework and the addition of some extra steel ribs to add strength and a new method of supporting the ship. On the morning of the 21st of May 2007, Cutty Sark, which had been closed and partly dismantled for conservation work, caught fire and burned for several hours before the London Fire Brigade could bring the fire under control. Initial reports indicated that the damage was extensive, with most of the wooden structure in the centre having been lost. In an interview the next day, Richard Doherty, the chief executive of the Cutty Sark Trust, revealed that at least half of the fabric, timbers etc. of the ship had not been on site, as it had been removed during the preservation work. Dougherty stated that the trust was most worried about the state of the iron framework to which the fabric was attached. He did not know how much more the ship would cost to restore but estimated an additional 5-10 to million pounds, bringing the total cost of the ship's restoration to 30-35 to million pounds. In initial investigations, the possibility was covered that the fire might have been started deliberately. The fire was later found to have been most likely caused by an industrial vacuum cleaner which had been left running over the weekend compounded by the absence of overnight fire watchers. In a second incident on the morning of the 19th of October, 2014, another fire broke out on the deck of the Cutty Sark. A small part of Deck 3 and the hull timbers were damaged in the blaze. The London Fire Brigade managed to contain the blaze within an hour and she was reopened to the public shortly after. Aerial footage showed extensive damage but seemed to indicate that the ship had not been destroyed in their entirety by the 2007 fire. A fire officer present at the scene said in a BBC interview that when they arrived, there had been a well developed fire throughout the ship. The bow section looked to be relatively unscathed, and the stern also appeared to have survived without major damage. The fire seemed to have been concentrated in the center of the ship. The chairman of the Cutty Sark Enterprises said that after inspecting the site, the decks are unsalvageable, but around 50% of the planking had already been removed. However, the damage is not as bad as originally expected. As part of the restoration work planned before the fire, it was proposed that the ship be raised three meters to allow the construction of a state-of-the-art museum space underneath. This would allow visitors to view her from below. There was criticism of the policies of the Cutty Sark Trust and its stance that the most important thing was to preserve as much as possible of the original fabric. Proponents of making her fit to go to sea advocated that the fire repairs be done in such a manner to enable her to do so. However. The state of the timbers, especially the keel, and the fact that a hole had been cut through the hull in the 1950s for an access door made this difficult. The Cutty Sark Trust said that less than 5% of the original fabric was lost in the fire as the decks which were destroyed were additions not present at the original building. The restoration work was criticized by the Victorian society, saying that the needs of the corporate hospitality market were put ahead of the preservation of the historic fabric of the ship. Building Design Magazine awarded the project its Carbuncle Cup for the worst new building completed in 2012, saying, The scheme's myriad failings stem from one calamitous choice, the decision to hoik the 144-year-old clipper close to three metres in the air on canted steel props. The project of raising the Katisak was costed at £25 million when it commenced in 2006, with £11.75 million of this being provided by a grant from the Heritage Lottery Fund. Oscar winning film producer Jerry Bruckheimer aided in the repair and restoration of Cutty Sark. A collection of photos taken by Bruckheimer went on display in London in November 2007 to help raise money for the Cutty Sark conservation project. The exhibition featured more than 30 pictures taken on set during the filming of Pirates of the Caribbean at World's End. In January 2008, the Heritage Lottery Fund awarded the Cutty Sark Trust another £10 million towards the restoration of the ship meaning that the trust had now achieved £30 million of the £35 million needed for the completion of the project. The original mast specifications as laid down by the ship's designer still exist and are listed as a T rig. This arrangement was used during the ship's time on the T trade route where it was necessary to maximize the area of sail to get the greatest possible propulsion when the ship might be becalmed in the doldrums. For the route to Australia, it was not necessary to carry such a large area of sail and the masts and yards were reduced. The trade winds required great strength in masts, but the wind could be best captured in relatively small, high sails. A smaller rig also represented a saving in maintenance costs. Each of the three masts, fore, main, and mizzen, is in three overlapping sections. So I hope you've enjoyed our look at Catty's Ark, a great monument to history standing in the dry dock at Greenwich, which can be seen from all over London as you look towards Greenwich. If you'd like to make contact with us or suggest any places you'd like us to feature in future podcasts, you can let me know through our website, londonvisited.co.uk, or through our social media. It's that easy. Thanks for listening. Really hope you enjoyed our podcast and we'll see you soon for the next one. Bye. Thanks for listening and please don't forget to subscribe to get more shows direct to your device. Also, why not visit our London Visited YouTube channel to get even more of London. Catch you soon on the next one.